Hello, and welcome back to General Chat. This week, I wanted to talk about fandom and what the experience is like for someone who is really in the trenches of their chosen fandom. So I reached out to a prominent figure in the Critical Rule fandom to hear his opinion. In the words of Brian W. Foster, today's guest is... You're my, our beloved arsequeef. Why, hello, Arsqueef. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Hello, it's good to be here. <laughs> now, is that what you would like for me to refer to you as, or do you want me to call you AQ? Do you have an actual name you'd like to go by? A lot of people give me a lot of different nicknames to avoid saying the full thing. AQ's fine. Um, Q, some people call me Queefy. Ooh. It's whatever you're comfortable with, really. I mean, I named myself Arsqueef, so I really don't care what people call me, obviously. <laughs> I like that. I like a little queefy. Well, I think we should start. I've seen you around. Wow, what an ominous thing to say. Like I'm like ducking out behind a corner or like popping out of a bush like I've seen you around. It could be taken the other way. I could, you could have seen me following you. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, I've seen you around. You know, that guy at the coffee shop down the aisle in the grocery store. I just thought I'd confront it. <laughs> Once you start to get into the Critical Role community, your name starts popping up here and there. I've been listening for a little while. I've been um, what I would call a lurking participant in the community because I'm not out there. I'm not making gifts of... Uh, I'm just... Uh, I'm just a viewer hiding behind my keyboard, very afraid to interact. But you, you on the other hand, are putting yourself out there. You're engaging in the content. You are creating fandom-based content for Critical Role. Can you tell me a bit about how that started, how you discovered Critical Role? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, I believe I found Critical Role because I was watching an episode of Community, the TV show, and they had a D&D based episode. And I was like, oh, I've always been interested in this D&D thing, but I've never looked it up. And they made it look fun. So I thought, okay, how can I find out more? So I just typed in uh, Dungeons and Dragons into YouTube. And the, the first thing that popped up was Critical Role episode one. And it had like, I don't know, like a million views at the time. So I thought, okay, this might be interesting. And then I clicked on and watched that first episode and I never looked back really. It's so interesting because a community as a whole is just, it kind of took this this look at like something that's so benign, like community college classes where people just go and don't give a fuck about all the other people there. They're just in their own world and created these fantastical stories within that concept. And I think Critical Role does something really similar where they take just this base thing of D&D, this pre-existing structure of D&D, and then elevate it into these intricate scenarios and a way to like tell the story and bring these characters to life that is both similar and fantastical and all wonderful packaged together yeah i definitely agree with that community was a a, a big show for me it came around um i started watching it when i was like i just dropped out of uni and i didn't have much to do so i was like okay i've got to binge something and i found community and it was a turned out to be one of my favorite shows of all time and it led to critical role so i gotta thank it for something so can you tell me a little bit about what you love about Critical Role? I think what I find the most enjoyment in, which is something that, that um, I think a lot of people do, but I don't see it being um, highlighted as much, I guess. A lot of people talk about the storylines that Matt creates or the uh, character interactions with the, with the players' characters. But I think what I enjoy most is just the the like the camaraderie and the... Uh, 
for a better, a lack of a better term, the bullshit arenas that comes out of Critical Role. Like just the 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 real moments instead of the like. Of course, I all of you know the the high drama, but just the first five minutes of Sam's house reads is usually my favorite part of the episode. So those are the highlights for me. There's this thing that another group, of, uh, another podcasting empire does, uh, the McElroy's, they have kind of like a, a no bummers guideline. And I feel like while there are definitely some like storyline bummers to be had within critical role, there's definitely dramatic moments. I think that overall there's a lot of good quality, just simple moments that show that you don't always have to be on to be worth something. You know, you don't always have to be like creating these big drama scenes in your life to always be worth something. Like even, (laughs) even the ad reads, even the like introduction, even the moments of just like a look or a hand touch or a a side chat between two friends can be just as important as the main storyline. And I think that's really important to highlight. Yeah. It's, um, it's something that is, can't be fabricated and can't be replicated. So it's, uh, it's very unique. And, um, I think that's what got me hooked in the first place was the fact that you could tell that we're, they were all like best friends from the very start. So if community, introduced you the concept of D&D and then Critical Role solidified your love of this like storytelling platforming game. Did you move into playing D&D from that point? Yes, I did. Well, actually, I tried to get my my friends to join for a long time after I found Critical Role. I didn't get them to actually start uh, uh, to join a campaign with me until I was like, I must have been like 50 episodes into Critical Role. But I did eventually get them to start playing. That was in like 2016, around February. And uh, we just had a, uh, I guess, three-year anniversary of that game that's still going on right now. Um, so Critical Role is responsible for that um, massive campaign that I've had to DM for the past three years. <laughs> I think that's always the experience, right? It's like if if you start getting into D&D and like no one in your friend group plays it or like you're the person who's really getting into it you're always the one who ends up DMing right it's like oh the hardest part about putting a group together or like starting playing D&D is finding a DM because that's that critical role Uh, I was unintentional there yeah sure Mm. sure (laughs) sure 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 but the DM is a critical part of the D&D game they do the majority of the work like, let's admit it, the DM does the majority of the work. They do all the planning and all the if-then situations. If the players do this, then I have to do this. And they put in, they, they essentially, I don't want to say carry, but they essentially lay down the structure for the campaign to go on. And so when you're looking into starting to play D&D, you're going, oh man, I'm so interested. I have all these ideas. I really want to play oh, I have to put in all this work to start playing because all of my other friends don't want to DM. And I think for a lot of people, that can be a block. So congratulations to you for working up the courage to DM a group and for carrying it for three years. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I was very hesitant at the start to, to uh, put myself in that DM chair because um, uh, I'd only seen Matt do it before. And I was like, well, I can't do it like that. That's just, um, you know... I can't do accents. I can't um, craft these narratives that he does. So I was like, 
which obviously is a lot of people who have that that thought. And I just mm-hmm. thought, well, if I don't do it, no one's going to do it, so I have to do it. And then, uh, so I sat down and uh, created in in big quotation marks a world, which means I basically stole from every um, RPG game I'd played in the past year and just <laughs> uh, put it in front of my players that hadn't played those games, so they would think I was the genius. I think that's how everyone does it, right? It's a bit like uh, cooking. You just take a bit from here and there and there and you pluck it all together and you make it look good. I mean, even Matt, you know, it takes modules from different creators and tries to incorporate it into his own game. So in a way, kind of like Matt. So <laughs> I'll take that compliment. <laughs> <laughs> so have you always been into nerdy passions, even if you hadn't been playing D&D? Were you into video games or what What was your early fandom life like? What were you into when you were younger? Um, yeah, I think I've always been like I've, I've always had a nerdy group of friends. But in that nerdy group of friends, I've always been the nerdy one. So, yeah, I've always had the uh, the more niche um, experiences, I would say. Like, um, I was always the one that had to introduce my friends to um, the games that we would play, like, um, and always the one suggesting that we go outside and uh, play fantasy in the creek instead of staying inside and playing uh, on the PlayStation, playing FIFA and stuff like that. But um, early fandoms, I wasn't really a part of. I will, I've always been a, a like a passive lurker and all those kind of things. Crook Roll is the first thing I've actually had a. I think Crook Roll was the first thing I ever like left a comment on. Even like, I was that kind of lurker where, you know, I just watched and then, you know, closed the video, stopped watching, uh, went back to do whatever I was doing before. So Crook Roll really brought that kind of interacting side out of me um which has been quite quite fun so far i probably should have done it earlier has it been fulfilling for you fulfilling's a word yeah it's been um <laughs> like every week something happens that i thought would never happen which is crazy well i think with critical role there's something something unique to critical where there's so many opportunities for engagement like not only during the live stream where you can chat with people but there's also you know talks machina there's also you know twitter where you can interact there's reddit where you can interact there's a million different ways where you can interact you know not just with the people who make it but mainly with the people who consume it who are folks like you like me who in some way identify with this content and therefore you have something to bond over it's like this human connection of like, oh, you like this thing for this reason? Well, I like this thing for the same reasons. You know, why don't we form a bond and make a friendship and, you know, create something beautiful together ourselves? And I think that is such a wonderful uh, concept that the cast and crew kind of grab onto and encourage. I think that there's been a lot of like, yes, take what we're making and enjoy it together. They encourage the community so hardcore have there ever been any moments within the community to yourself that have really stood out as very special to you oh god it's been thousands at this point and i definitely agree with the fact that the um, the reason this so community this community is so uh, easy to engage with and is so welcoming is definitely because of the cast's encouragement of that uh, mentality and um 
uh, moments that have stood out would be, oh god, like when I first started getting like talks mark uh, talks questions asked, like way back in the day. Um, I remember like I had like a streak of like three or four in a wor- in a row for each week, and then like um, I didn't ask a question on like the fifth week because I know I couldn't think of one. And then, like, the chat was just filled of, like, where is Asquith's question? Where's Asquith's question? What's going on? What's going oh. on? <laughs> I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> okay. All of a sudden, you had responsibilities. Yeah, it definitely felt like that. I was like, I thought I was just asking questions. What is this? Well, you've become a beloved part of the community, as it were. Yeah, that's, um, I think that's, that phrase, you're my, our beloved Asquith, is responsible mm-hmm. for a lot. Like, I don't think Brian quite knows how much that phrase is um, done to convince people that I'm probably more important than I am. (laughs) (laughs) I think you need, like, a little embroidered pillow or, like, throw or something with that phrase on it and, like, a really nice cursive. Yeah. (laughs) Just something beautiful. Yeah. That'll uh, that'll really show my house guests what what it's like here with <laughs> with that just embroidered on my couch. Of course, yeah. Who wouldn't Who wouldn't love that? Yeah. Well, I think there's this 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 little phrase that I want to go back to. You said, you know, it makes people think that I'm more important than I am, and I, I think that's interesting because I think that we, just as humans in general have a tendency to kind of quash our own accomplishments, our own achievements, our own feelings of self-worth and self-importance. And so I, I would be interested to hear from you what you think your role at the in the fandom is. God, I think I ask myself that every morning. <laughs> like, uh, it's a, yeah, that's definitely something I um, think about a lot. It's just to have, like, do I have a, a responsibility to... Uh, be part of this community do I have a uh, a role that I need to fill is there something that I'm offering that someone else can't or something like that it's a it's a strange um sensation that I've never had to deal with before like there's nothing stopping me from just you know um not going on Twitter for a week and just um not watching the show not putting up gifts and stuff like that but is, is there is a um, obviously I do it because I enjoy it, but there is a strong sense of um, maybe I'll be letting people down if I don't and stuff like that. But I think my role in this community is not something that is uh, how's the word? It's not something that is um, wholly unique. It's just um, I have a lot of uh, spare time now that I'm a freelance graphic designer that um i can spend to put towards the show and um this show is part of uh what makes me able to eat every week because thankfully they've i've been lucky enough for them to hire me to do some things and i think um i don't know this it's a question that i have yet to come up with a concise answer to i think as you can tell (laughs) It's probably something that is generally hard to come up with a concise answer to. Do you think if you asked anyone but Sam what their role in the group is, they would have a concise answer? That's true. I think 
<laughs> I think maybe Brian might have a concise answer to his, but I don't think anyone would agree with it. Because <laughs> like I said, I think it's hard to give ourselves credit for the work that we do. And so I think that on some level, you're probably right. Maybe some people, I don't want to say maybe, I think on some level, you're right. People would be momentarily disappointed that you weren't on for say like a week but I think that disappointment wouldn't stem from the fact that you're not making something it would stem from the fact that they've become accustomed to having you there they genuinely like you in your presence and so the loss of that would feel like you know not being in touch with a friend for a week you know it's not about the things that you're making it's about the connections that you're making the friendship connections. Oh boy, I'm starting to, I feel like I'm starting to sound like a Mr. Rogers episode. <laughs> That's what happens every time I talk to someone about Kruger Roll. We always just go on this like lovey-dovey, like, isn't this amazing? Aren't we all cool? This is like... <laughs> <laughs> I think that a lot of the reason fandom feels so bonding, especially in something like Critical Role, because there's so... It's an emotional thing, at least for me. My experience of Critical Role is an emotional thing. Like, I've been moved to tears many a time. Like, I feel an emotional connection to the story because that's how good they are storytellers. You really get wrapped into the characters. And so I think when you have a strong emotional response and you share that strong emotional response with someone else and someone else goes, yeah, I had that same emotional response, there's a bond that happens. And there's friendships that are made. And um, I want to know whether or not you've had that experience within the community, whether or not you found kind of like a second family. Uh, yeah, I would say it was definitely the case because I'm, I'm someone who before this was, uh, I have I have seven friends. Uh, we've been friends since we were 13 uh, and I'm 24 now. So that's a long time. And we've gone through... Um, a lot together and we have um, a very tight bond but because of that I never felt the need to make other friends like I was always happy with these ones and um, uh, I've never got out of my way to uh, form any sort of bond with anyone else and that's been fine like I'm happy with with that but um, Critical Role has made uh, has made me more new friends in the past like two years and I've made in the past like 12 years and I've um as a some there's a group that I've I just started playing D&D with last year um you may know one of them she was heavily featured on Talks Machina for a couple of episodes uh the world famous Kyle with an N ah uh, yes otherwise known as Nile. <laughs> uh she has a friend who also watches Critical Role and gets mentioned quite a lot is Cyberwolf1201. Mm. And he uh, he invited me to start playing D&D with them. And over the past like six months, we've uh, we've become very close friends. And that's something I never thought would really happen because uh, I just, I've been perfectly happy with my old friends. And Critical Role has formed this kind of like community and easy to establish connections with people that I didn't think was really possible and yeah so I definitely consider it a a second family and there's countless other people that I've I've made friends with over the past few years that um, I do I just didn't think were like uh, just from all over the world and like 
it's really quite amazing. That's such a beautiful message to hear. I think there's something quite heartwarming about being able to go. I engaged with this piece of content and the community embraced me and I made friends from it. Uh, that is just so beautiful. Well, let's take a step back. Kyle with an N has a podcast called Let's Talk About It. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, let's talk about it. We can't give her the free and promotion. We can't give her the free promotion. <laughs> I'm, I mean, what else is there? If you can't... <laughs> I have to be able to, uh, to promote. Um, so people will do the same for me. No. Um, <laughs> it's actually promotion for you because you did their, uh, their podcast card art for them, didn't you? I did, yeah. Um, I did their new logos and some splash screens for them. Graphic design, was this something that you came into before or after uh, leaving university? Um, it actually came about because I left university, because um, I originally went to university to study game design. But um, the only reason I went to university was because so I could live near my friends, because they were all moving to off university and I didn't want to be left alone. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to university for all the wrong reasons and obviously left because... If you go to the university for the wrong reasons, it's not going to work out. Mm, as one uh, does. Yep. Um, so I, as I left, I I didn't have anything to fall back on. So um, um, I my mum actually knew someone and got me a job as a intern at a uh, small gift company as a graphic designer. And graphic design is something that I've always had uh, an interest in as I... In, our, in my early years as a teen, I would make fake uh, CD album of cover, cat for, uh, cover art for um, just fake bands. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Um, which was basically just photoshopping people's faces where they shouldn't be. <laughs> and somehow I managed to turn that into a job. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I basically got this intern internship at this... Um, gift company and then stayed there for a year doing packages packaging design mainly so um making the packaging for gifts and uh, some toys and stuff like that and i stayed there for three years and, and eventually learned how to do some graphic design um because i'm all self-taught because i was the only graphic designer they had um which has been a strange process because being self-taught has all sorts of downsides that of you don't learn until it's too late. <laughs> but yeah, then I went um, I went freelance in September of last year. Um, and ever since then, I've only worked with people that I um, like and uh, respect, which has been a... I think it's a very unique experience for a freelancer to be able to do that. And I'm very grateful and thankful that the people that hire me do, because um, if they didn't, I wouldn't be able to eat. And that's, uh, so I'm very, they're very kind to offer me work. Yeah. Eating is probably one of those things that you like, I don't know, really value and kind of like need to do. I'd say it's in my top three of priorities. <laughs> I will say that I was actually really interested when I 
asked you onto the show, you came back to me and said, well, let me listen to the show first to get a feel for like who you are and what, you know, what you represent. And then I'll get back to you. And you were the first person who had done that to me. Folks usually either genuinely have listened to the show or pretend that they have listened to the show and just agree to come on. Um, But I thought that, you know, it spoke to a level of personal responsibility on your part to like decide, is this something that I want to align myself with? I thought that was really cool. So hearing that in your freelance work, that that is something that you actually get to do is uh, I think it's quite telling. Yeah, I definitely wanted to um, just, uh, I want to listen to just to see what, you know, like, am I going to ask, going to get asked some personal stuff that I don't want to listen to, that I don't want to answer, which is probably never going to happen, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I just wanted to, you know, know what this is all about. And then I liked the episode that I listened to, which was the one with uh, Galactic Jonah, who is a prominent critical role artist, I would say. Oh, Jonah's a delight. Yeah. Um, so after you don't listen to this episode, you can listen to that one as well. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> but do listen to the episode with Jonah because he deserves all the attention. He is lovely. Um, and I actually, I don't think I would have formed a friendship with him if it weren't for Critical Role. So if we're on the topic of fandoms and friendships, that's another just example of being able to find someone in a community where you would have never found someone before. Like where would I have connected with uh, a British graphic designer or a Swiss art maker? Like when would have that happened in my lifetime without yep. critical role? Yeah. I ask myself that like every week when I'm thinking like, how do I, how did I make friends with all these Americans and all these like Indonesians? Like how is that ever going to happen? So I'm interested to know a little bit about your experience within the community because I think that sometimes it can be hard not to feel like your voice is lost among the sea of other voices. I think especially if you're creating any sort of content that has to deal with something the community like has to deal with the content the community is based around. I think that it can be easy to feel like overlooked or feel like I'm not being seen and that can lead to people feeling dejected. I'm interested to know how you felt when you first came into the community. How were you welcomed? Yeah, that's um, that's a topic I think about a lot as well because I think I was extremely lucky with how um, open everyone was to me because, um, well, first of all, I've had this name ask we for a long time i've had it since 2009 and the rare times i would like interact with some people in other communities it was kind of a 50 50 if they would take me seriously or not or if they would just like maybe just ban me because of my name <laughs> so i think um critical roles community was uh one of the more welcoming ones um to a name like mine um and that's that has a lot to do with the way um, Brian had uh, his uh, his uh, little uh, giddy fit, I would say, when he first read it on Talks Machina. <laughs> um, but I think it's a uh, a a topic that comes up a lot with this community because of the immense amount of content that is created around it that isn't the show, just from fans. 
um, especially the uh, the artist side and the 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 things that they make because there's so much of it and so much of it is so good that it can be like it can be so easy to miss the, some of the best stuff. But I also think that if you're making things that aren't specifically art, that that can also be um, just can be can fly under the radar when some of it is really, really good. Like for instance, uh, Kelly, who is goes by crit gem hero on Twitter and YouTube. I think she has a, a critical role crack series that she does. Yes. I think it's very popular now. Yeah. Uh, that's some of the best critical role content I've ever seen. And, um, it took a long time for people to, well, it didn't take a long time. It took longer than I thought it would for people to start picking up on that. Cause it's amazing stuff. And it's like gifts aren't something that was, that I thought would be this kind of this popular or this would take off this much because that, you know, there's so much effort that goes into the content that's put out in this community and gifts take me literally 30 seconds to make. So uh, that's something I was definitely surprised by, but people were so um, clamoring for, uh, for more stuff like that, that I think um, when I started doing them, they were just like, it didn't matter like who was making it or what was, what it was just like that kind of content people really uh, wanted at that time. So I guess I got kind of lucky there as well. I think there's a lot of hard work that goes into getting lucky, though. I mean, you did have to take all the time to go through all the footage, to find the right moment, to make a gif of. And sure, acknowledging that you were lucky is definitely a good thing to do. But I think that we tend to, again, going back to not giving ourselves credit, I think, you know, we tend to I go, oh, I was so lucky that I was working for 10 years to get noticed in this industry. And it just happened that on, you know, the 100th day of the 10th year, I happened to get noticed and <laughs> by someone and like, yeah, that's not luck. It's called hard work. And so like, you know, give yourself a bit of credit. Yeah, that's that's something I definitely struggle with. I'm definitely a, I'm definitely a, oh, wow, this is, this is so lucky that I just happen to be awake and watching the show every year every week for two years at 3 a.m that's you know i don't know it's uh i find yeah i definitely find it hard to give myself credit when i know i can see when when in my mind i can see the exact moments where i got extremely lucky and i can just focus on those bits I think that what you capture with your gifts is these like really genuine moments. And I think that's why people relate to it so much because it's not just these like, but I'm trim shot moments all the time. There's like a lot of really genuine connection moments that are like, Oh, this is, this is pretty sweet. And this is really nice. And I kind of, you know, you, there's so much packed into one uh, quote unquote episode of Critical Role, you know, like four hours of content, it can be so easy to miss something. And so to have these little snippets of just like moments are really nice. Yeah, I think that's because like um, like I was saying before, my favorite parts of the episodes are the the genuine like um, kind of out of character, just them being goofball mates basically are my favorite bits. And those are the parts I always try and highlight 
for gifts and stuff. So I think um, that's a, a big reason why people might uh, enjoy them so much because there are, those are the probably the easiest moments to miss, especially if it's going on when, like when someone else is talking and your eyes somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely a lot with with six people and a DM. There's a lot to cover there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, not to invalidate your feelings of like, yeah, there's a sea of voices and I was very lucky to be heard because that is a valid feeling. Like, I completely understand that. Um, but I just feel like, I feel like it's so easy to take that that thought of like, oh, there's a sea of voices and I'm just shouting into this ocean and you know the ocean's never gonna respond to me the ocean will never just acknowledge me it's an ocean and I think it's easy to get really really bitter about that and it's easy to you know walk away from a fandom because of that and I think that this particular community does a good job of going like no it's okay we're all here for one another you know if, if you feel a bit like you're just alone in this big giant sea, you're not, we're all here, we're all having the same experience. I think it does a good job of welcoming people into the fold. Although I know that's not everyone's experience, of course, especially not with artists, but I think that there's something particularly special uh, that the Critical Role fandom has. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely get sometimes, I don't know what the correct term for it, I guess I've just been in my head calling it like survivor's guilt, um, like like why am i the one that keeps getting all these like amazing opportunities for uh for seemingly um random reasons like but i think yeah what you were saying about how people who when people are going through uh tough times or uh things aren't going particularly their way this this even like just strangers will come out it from everywhere and show them that even just being a part of the community, this community means that you have um, millions of people sometimes just behind you and supporting you, no matter what is going on, which is um, always awesome to see whenever I come across it. And I try and, uh, th- you know, throw my support in there whenever I can. I think that's something that's really encouraged. Finding your chosen family, like, I think that's a theme that comes up a lot. You know, it's not the family that you you know it's not the family that you were born with or the family that you grew up with or the family that even you chose at different points in your life it's about this evolving support system that you have for yourself I think that they cover that a bit in this campaign you know where you see like not is finding her chosen family opening up to more people Bo is finding her family after being abandoned by her parents. You know, everyone's making these connections with people that aren't necessarily the ones that they grew up with. And I think for a group of nerds who are typically kind of, I don't want to say outcast because I think it's becoming more popular to be a nerd. Like eh, um, the majority of media is like Star Wars and Marvel these days. But like, I think typically a lot of these people are introverts and, and, don't always come from a positive background and seeing that reflected in the media that we're consuming can be very affirming and positive. And I think that is kind of what helps create such a positive atmosphere within the community. Yeah, that was a, that was a very obtuse observation about finding your family in this campaign. Maybe I should be paying more attention to these themes and stop looking for Sam Puck and Laura in the ear. 
<laughs> or Marisha uppercutting Liam in the chin. Exactly. I think that has to be my favorite gif. I keep coming back to it and just being like that that moment of pure like, oh fuck, is <laughs> just perfect. Yeah, that was the most <laughs> sibling moment I've ever seen on that show. <laughs> yeah, it's really beautiful. Uh, I think that part of finding that nerdy community, that that family of fans that you settle in with, and it's kind of like a, a Friday night movie night except on Thursdays, you know, you get together and you get to watch it and you get to have this shared experience and, and, you know, you have that feeling of being accepted. And I think that can really lead to people embracing themselves. Have you found that you've been able to embrace who you are a bit more through being embraced within the community? Uh, yeah, so that was definitely the case. Um, it's always, it's always, um, it's always struggling. It's always a struggle to be um, yourself, especially with uh, if you don't feel like yourself is someone who fits in with your what's around you right now. And um, the more, the more and more that I've let myself be myself in this community, the more um, I don't know, say success, not success. The more um, reception, the better reception I've had. Um, if that makes sense, like the more I've let out my uh, zany side, I guess, or sentimental sides, uh, the better, the stronger relationships I've formed from those. And I don't think anything's been as close to the experience that I had when I went to um, MCM back in October, when I uh, met people in person that had only ever known me uh, as Asqui for the first time. And like the looks on people's faces when I, they saw me and recognized me or if, when I said like, oh, hey, it's good to meet you. I'm Asqueef. And then like the reception that that, that that would have on them and the uh, the joy, I guess, w- that would come across the face. And I'd have to be like, I'd like take a step back and like, oh, this isn't like kind of the reception I was expecting, but this is really cool. And then the relationships that have gone on from there has been there. Uh, really special and uh something that i never expected well it's certainly such a wonderful thing to 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 help you embrace yourself finding other people who have embraced you who have only ever known you online and then you meet in person and you're like oh people actually like me like not just this facade that i put up on the internet not to say it's a facade but it's certainly like a a way to present yourselves that is not buffered through a human meat body, right? Definitely, definitely, yeah. Um, being with people and then uh, hanging out for like uh, longer than like ten minutes, and then you're actually having a a decent, you know, human conversation that's not about critical role and is about something else, or just about regular day things. It's uh, it's cool and a entirely unique experience really and i don't think i can ever find the words to describe that kind of thing i think it's interesting you touched on this this little moment this little pinprick of being like yeah i find that when i am more of myself or more vulnerable or more genuine people actually like me and there's this tone of surprise when you're saying that did you expect that when you were your weird nerdy self that people would be kind of like, ugh, 
this nerd? Like, what was it that led you to be surprised about that? Um, I think it's just because whenever I am about to, like, I guess, post something that I think is um, extremely uh, personal to me or is extremely out there and not something that what you would expect from me, I'm always like, oh, man, people are going to hate this. This is going to bomb. I like people are going to say, like, ask me what you're thinking. Just stop this. Go back to what you did before. I see. Or, you know, stop stop being so sentimental that somehow, you know, some random extremely kind strangers have given you a lot of money for seemingly no reason. Um, like, come on, get it together. And, and, and that's never happened. That's never happened once. I've never had any kind of negative reaction to um my um overly sensitive moments on the internet which is uh is is a good sign there's something about what you said just now that moment of being like oh i can't be like off brand i feel a little bit of guilt about doing something that isn't my typical flippant self it's nice that you have gotten the feedback from your friends and the people who engage with you that you can be yourself and that is okay i think that must be a wonderful feeling to feel accepted oh definitely it's um i'm always felt i'm always filled with like i I really find it hard to especially to people that are um extremely kind to me and always um have you know awesome reactions to everything i put out there i find it really hard to find a way to thank them and just um put my appreciate appreciation into words because as uh mm. yeah i'm not the most articulate speaker and uh i stumble over my words a lot when i especially when uh people are being nice to me so yeah it's difficult to find ways to show my appreciation for things like that i know exactly what you mean i once described my uh train of thought as as not exactly a train of thought but more like a train station of thought And a lot of different thought trains are coming and going at the same time. And so sometimes connections are missed. feels a lot like that. That's a a great point. I'm definitely going to steal that. (laughs) You are more than welcome to. (laughs) When you, I assume that you have watched the Between the Sheets with Matt. Yes, I have, yes. When he talked about dealing with his stutter and feeling a lot of shame about it and then trying to overcome it through voice acting and then being on screen and ultimately reincorporating it with Orly as a character. How did you feel about that as someone who kind of struggles with expressing themselves? Yeah, that was very, uh, much like most things Matt does, that is obviously very inspiring. And as, as someone who is in like stage one of um overcoming his his arms and his eyes um <laughs> that's uh <laughs> that's uh it's good to hear and it's something that makes it it makes it feel possible to work on and makes it feel like it's a very achievable goal to get rid of which is always nice yeah i mean i'm in two camps with the arms and the us because i feel like i do a lot of ums i do a lot of likes which is something that is also considered like as a podcaster, as someone who does audio production, it's like, no, you shouldn't be using likes and ands and ums and ahs. But I'm a human being. I'm a person. And I think creating a content that is about interpersonal connections and passion and fandom and why we love the things we love, it would be disingenuous 
for me to leave out those parts of myself. So like, while I definitely try to work on it, and there was just another like right there, while I try to work on it and try to be more cognizant about it and let those nerves go that creates the ums and the uhs and the stutters and the moments of me going, oh, I have no idea what I was trying to say. While it kind of cuts back on those, I think it's also okay to embrace those things like Matt was able to do with Orly. I think there's definitely a balance to be struck and I'm glad that you're finding yours. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely think that having a organic way of speech is much vastly preferred than having a monotone kind of um, professional way of speaking, especially in a, in an environment like this. It's uh, a, <laughs> It also, you know, keep your likes, throw them in every now and again. Well, like, I'm so glad you like said that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to veer off on one of those thought trains really quick. I'm just going to hop on and we're going to go for a ride. I think it's really interesting because you talk, you you just were like, yeah, you know, it's cool to have a casual frame of tone for these kind of conversations. It's really interesting. When I was young, I was saying like middle school and I was on like, anime forums and like RP forums and like interacting in those spaces the big thing was to be like so grammatically correct and like when you first when Facebook first came out and like all these different social medias it was like you really had to be to be taking seriously you had to be grammatically correct you had to have your p's and q's your commas your semicolons you you had to be typing everything out in a scholarly fashion to be taken seriously but now no 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 now in fandom it's like stylized so you're supposed you have to start your sentence with a lowercase letter very uncool to have it capitalized no 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 you can't be doing that here and then you have to have a lot of exclamation points and you must sometimes have capitalized letters and non-capitalized letters in nonsensical order and that right now is the grammatical rule of law for fandom interaction <laughs> yeah that's uh that's something i've, I've noticed a lot and that is it's, it's sometimes they feel like they're speaking a different language and i just i can never wrap my head around what is what the hell is going on in some of the sentences so uh, i'll just i'll just stick to my semi-grammatically correct sentences and then (laughs) we'll see how that works i think sometimes it really works like sometimes you are so excited about something that you are just like typing in random gibberish and the only way to convey how excited you are is to type in all caps with a million exclamation points and sometimes you want to have a more casual tone but i think it's i think it's kind of cool to look at that evolution of what used to be like considered proper internet speech and what now we're using as proper internet speech things are a changing definitely and it does make me feel old even though i'm only 24 i'm 27 i'm an internet geezer what can we do man that's old i know god you might as well just throw me out back now (laughs) (laughs) okay let's steer this train Back onto the tracks, we'll get, we'll come back from our little veer off the rails, and I want to ask about your favorite 
critical role related memory. You've already mentioned meetups at MCM London and being mentioned on Tox Machina, but I want to know, you know, outside of those two things, what your favorite critical role related memory is. Can I cheat and, and say it was at MCM? <laughs> uh, yes, of course. Nice. Okay. So at MCM, they had a panel, the cast had a panel, and they were introducing everyone uh, out on stage, and they just got through everyone. Matt was last, and then Sam was still not out yet. So Brian was introduced when he said, and he said, and Sam Regal, and Sam Regal came running out. And he was wearing this big red headband, uh, these white short shorts, <laughs> these long socks, and this uh, white shirt with an England football badge on it, mm-hmm. and uh, 69 and his name on the back. And he did this big show and he ran around and he finally sat down and Brian said, that's quite the outfit you've got there. Where did you get that from? And in, then he said, uh, you can thank Asqueef. Asqueef gave me this shirt. And when he said that, uh, the, room, the room just kind of like erupted in cheers and applause at like the mention of my name. Uh, and I was at the back of the hall. Uh, so <laughs> getting to experience... Uh, Sam saying my name on stage and then like this kind of raw come at me from people uh, reacting to it. That was pretty special. Yeah, what a surreal moment that must have been. You're sitting there watching. They're talking about you. The crowd is reacting to that and you're just in your seat like, ah. Yep. <laughs> I, just, I just looked at my friend who, Lydia, who I'd brought with me and she was just, I just looked at her and, and she was like mouth agape and I was like, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, uh, uh, that's probably the closest I've come to like an out of body experience. Yeah, really. How do you explain that? Like if say one of your seven friends didn't know about Critical Role by now and you were trying to explain how this happened and why these people might know you, how would you explain that to them? You know, for the past two years, I've been trying to do that and I don't think I've succeeded yet. <laughs> It's uh, it's hard enough explaining to my parents what this all is. Like trying to explain it to my friends is another level because you know they knew me before any of this stuff happened, and they have a very clear picture of who I am in their head. And you know, a lot of this is uh, count count is a lot of that. A lot of what's going on now is contrary to that. Like what? Like come on, ask Weave. You don't make other friends. You only like us. And I was like, yeah, but now I have like thousands of friends <laughs> well at least someone's there to keep you humble yeah they do, they do a good job of doing that <laughs> <laughs> they knew you when you were just a queef in the wind yeah before i was asked <laughs> is that just something that you just pulled out of the air is there an origin story or it's just a funny name you picked there is an origin story do you want the exclusive i you know could i get it please yeah okay um <laughs> Um, so, Asqueef, the name, is actually extremely similar to my real-life last name. Uh, my real-life last name is pronounced almost exactly like Asqueef. Now, back in school, there were some um, less-than-friendly people in my year that uh, discovered this this revelation that my last name sounds like the words arse and queef put together. Mm, genius they were. Yes. This was this is when we were just discovering swear words, so I'll give them that one. 
Um, and they thought it would be hilarious to try and annoy me with that fact that my name sounds like Arson Queef. So they tried to call me at every opportunity to try and annoy me. So I said, I'm not going to let this get to me. And it's quite funny. So I will make it all my usernames online. And if they want to call me that, they can call me that because everyone else is going to. So you can stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Cool kids at school who tried to bully me. <laughs> Hell yeah. Take back the power from the man. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then I became the cool kid and they were the queefs. Yeah, I'm sure they are massively successful and run their own businesses, but... <laughs> sure, 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 sure. I've, I've, got at least, I've at least got this little thing, so... <laughs> uh, thank you for that exclusive coverage. Uh, tune back in at four for more. <laughs> so I feel like we can't have an episode about the fandom critical role and one of the uh, liveliest fandom participants without talking about the Kickstarter. It's fresh. It's new. It's holy crap. Everything's been blown out of the water. We didn't expect this levels of funded. How did you react when you first found out that this was going to be a thing? I think I had a similar reaction to most people's like, which was finally that they're finally going to make an animated show that has um, all of them voicing it. Like they've been voice actors this whole time and they haven't made one. What have they been doing? Um, <laughs> uh, so that was my first reaction. And then when it's, when it kicked off and it, it opened, I was like, Oh, this Kickstarter, this Kickstarter video is really good. Uh, they look to have like a lot of goals and um, a lot of stretch goals. So that's really cool. And they have really cool rewards. So I can see this going really well for them. They'll probably get like, they'll probably get a million within the first week at least. And that's what I told everyone around me. I, t I told Brian, like, um, hopefully he kept those Talks Machina 100 video, uh, 100 balloons around so you can use it for the 1 million celebration video, which I would thought would come a week in, not 40 minutes or whatever it did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a very exciting day that that massively uh took off and was a uh, a great day for Arsqueef because a lot of people were finding out about Crick Royal which means a lot of people were finding out about me which um I, I've never seen that kind of reception to my uh dumb tweets before which was interesting <laughs> I think I think there's something wholly unique about that experience because I am a self-described fandom lurker in this fandom and seeing the Kickstarter and then going onto my Twitter every like 15, 20, 30 minutes to like, okay, where's it at now? Oh my God, what's happening? Like the entire day, I just kept checking it. And then when they were like, okay, we're going to do a live stream to talk about it. I was up for that live stream. It was an electric energy like it just it it's hard to explain unless you were there but it there was just something that felt like I don't know it felt like success for everyone it didn't feel like just success for them 
Like, yes, finally, this thing we love is going to be on this bigger platform and more people will see it and get it and like experience the greatness that is Critical Role. And I was just like, after that live stream ended and I went to go to bed, I was like humming with excitement. And it was, dare I say it, magical? Yeah, that would uh, that'd be a good way to describe it. I was I was buzzing with excitement that entire day and uh that, in- that entire week I didn't uh, I only got 1 hour sleep from Monday to Friday. Wow. Um, which was um just a bit less than I usually get but still quite bad for me. Um but yeah, that would that entire week is is all kicked off was just uh nuts like I don't think anyone was expecting that kind of response and especially the cast, obviously. And um, every time I thought it would slow down and stop, it kind of just picked up again. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, that, that live stream where they had Matt, Marisha, Travis, and then Sam, that was just like, that was pretty much, I think they did a good job encapsulating what everyone was feeling from, uh, from just that initial shock, which was, I mean, people say, like, oh, you should have expected it. I mean, come on. You, people have been waiting for this forever, but you can expect success, but you can't expect, you know, um, Apollo 11 land on the moon successfully and come back safe kind of success. I mean, that was out of this world. Yeah, I think, and and going back to what we've been talking about this whole time, I think we as creators tend to temper our expectations because we live in a world that seeks to, kind of quash creative success in a way like you know you get your hopes up too much and you're ultimately let down in this capitalistic society that seeks to profit off of uh off of workers and not off of creators you know so i think that it can be really hard to make something like this and so you know going in with lofty goals i think you can find your disappointed sometimes you know I think Matt addressed that a bit in the live stream where they've tried other stuff before and it hasn't worked out and so you know I think they tempered their expectations and everyone just said nah fuck that shit and just just went in with uh with donations I think that um there was one moment that I don't know if everyone else noticed it. I'm sure they did, but there was just one moment of like where they stopped saying the word special when referencing what they were going to make and what was being funded. And when they started saying the word episodes, like in the live stream, it was like, yeah, you know, special, special, special. And then something clicks and they're like, well, we've got all this money. Could we float the idea of episodes? And I think there was that kind of shift in idea of like, wow, okay, we could do this. We could do this thing that has been like a pipe dream for so long. I I think that was such a beautiful moment to be able to witness. Uh, what do you think about being able to get episodes, like a, a, a whole story arc of animate the critical role? Yeah, that's something I, I never kind of expected to happen. Like, that's always been the the high in the sky like last stop i've always thought for critical role which would be a like an animated series and when they announced the like they were gonna do and a kickstarter for an animated special people were like oh it's obviously gonna be uh like 
the Briarwood arc, or it's going to be like episodes one to 115, and they're going to cover it all. I was like, come on, let's be real. They're going to do like an hour and a half special, and it's going to be amazing. But I don't think we're ever going to get something that could last like a season, if that's a thing. But then, you know, gosh darn, everyone went and did it and have raised um, over $8 million or something stupid dollars for this to be a reality. And I couldn't be happier that they're choosing the Briarwood arc to start off with because it's obviously going to be the best kind of intro to what is eventually going to be the longest-running D&D-based cartoon ever. There's a lot to harness there, and I also think that I have to cut myself off because we could do an entire episode about us just gushing about being excited about the Kickstarter and the animated series and just like talking about the show as a whole. But what I really want to focus on is your experience with the community. I want to know after the Kickstarter came out and there was a lot of hype around it and things were getting really funded and we were getting stretch goals, more people were noticing just Critical Role as a whole. And I think naturally some criticism came about which I think nothing can exist on the internet or point blank, nothing can exist without there being some sort of criticism about it, as there should be. You should enjoy your content, but also be critical of what you're consuming because you don't want to be blindly consuming something that feeds into a toxic narrative. Like, that's not healthy. But there was some criticism that came up around the show uh talking about you know everyone's everyone's white or there's certain storylines or there's not enough of this or not enough of that that came up and I do think that over time the cast and crew have addressed these things they've had lots of guests on I think that they do a very good job of trying to be inclusive and trying to show different sides of multifaceted existence as much as six people can seven people is it nine people oh god we'll never know that name is so confusing gosh goodness (laughs) Um, but i'm curious you know as a fan as someone who is really uh involved in the community like what things that you think that the show could improve on like i'm not the person to ask about uh inclusivity or anything like that like um obviously i want as much as we as much as we can get but i am a you know straight white male in this world (gasps) one of those (laughs) and uh what a sin (laughs) so um but you know i think critical role has done everything in its power to um highlight the the diverse members of this community. I mean, I mean, they even had a British person on this season. So, I mean, what else can oh, you do? Oh, goodness. Wow. The height of inclusivity. Exactly. You can't get much diverse <laughs> than that. But really, um, I, I did see a lot of the, the criticism going around. And I think some of it was um, for the headline. Some of it was a bit attention grabby. Mm-hmm. But obviously, some people did have some valid complaints, or I guess you would say. I don't think anything like that can be solved just by saying the critical role should do this and then no one will complain anymore. I just think that's not how this is going to work or how anything works really. But um, I think they're doing, I think that 
company as they are now is doing is taking all the right steps to address those kind of things and is I don't think we should be, you know, holding in them over the coals and trying to get them to change what they're doing because there are a lot of people in the same space that are are not taking those steps and uh, just sticking to their old ways, I guess you would say. I agree with what you say. One thing that I think that the whole cast and crew and production team and the whole, the company as a whole does well is take in criticism. And that isn't to say criticism of like, oh, critical role sucks and you guys need to change what you're doing. You need to switch out some of your cast members for other people who would be better in this role or whatever. No, it's not about blatant bashing. It's about taking, hey, you guys did this thing and I thought it could be done in a better way and then moving forward to include that next time. I think they make a concentrated effort to do that and I think that is where it counts. Yeah, definitely. And you can just look at like the supported charities page on the Critical Role website and just, you know, that should tell you everything you need to know about what kind of things they want to support. And just as like a tiny disclaimer is that I try and avoid um, any kind of like that kind of negativity in this kind of community. Oh, like, that's right. We can't get political. Well, it's not that. It's just that I don't like, like this is a very positive experience for me and I don't like filling it with people hating on any other cast members Certainly. or, um, uh, you know, dissing uh like the rules or you know saying that someone's not playing out to me like that that's just not how i want to engage with this kind of thing yeah not saying you know you know people you know discussing what optimally could have happened in the combat is obviously interesting for some people it's just not how i want to spend my time here well if you don't want to be a rules lawyer then we don't have to get into the rules i'll just put away the player's <laughs> manual and Set aside all these questions <laughs> I had about min-maxing, if that's how it's going to be. I mean, if I had it, if we had it my way, Sam would shoot every player with an explosive uh, episode, uh, arrow every episode. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, oh, God. And they would all just roll percentage dies. And if it's, like, below a certain percent, things just go bad. Yeah, sure. Why not? Let's just do that. Let's, let's just try it out. We'll just switch to the fate system. And, you know, if it's... Below a certain level, Matt can take a hard move. <laughs> this has been a really fun talk with you about the fandom of Critical Role and your experience with community and how it's affected you and how it's helped you kind of embrace yourself and find this new set of friends. But I want to end it on a silly note. Is that all right with you, Arsqueef? Are you silly? Would you consider yourself an easygoing person? I am a strong objector to silly and everything to do with the matter. So, <laughs> Well, I'm going to pose a what if question to you and I would like you to let me know how you would react. If you were asked to be a guest on the show and to create a character to play with the team, what, what would you roll? Who would you play? What would your character be? Ah. <sighs> Ah. <laughs> okay i would play uh on the outside it would appear to be 
uh, an elf probably uh maybe rogue maybe a, a fighter subclass of some sort but on the inside it would have been in its past life it would have been a chair and my sole goal would be to bring the mighty nine down from the inside <laughs> <laughs> the insidious chair? I mean, I've already talked about it with Matt, so expect that soon. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't understand that joke, please go and watch all of Critical Role, because clearly you've not consumed enough of it. All right, well, that was a beautiful answer and a wonderful way to end our interview. Um, if anyone is interested in looking at your freelance work or booking you for any gigs how can they go about doing that uh well right now i get all my work from my twitter account which uh is at askweave um if you want to find me somewhere else i'm also on instagram at askweave e because some jabroni had to go and take askweave <gasps> and never forgive them for that um but yeah i do uh, logos. I do uh, Twitch overlays. I do graphics for podcasts. Um, I do Twitch emotes. I did the emotes for the Critical Role Twitch channel, which you can see every Thursday. They're very good. I use them on other Twitch channels. Can vouch. 10 out of 10. Do recommend. That's always nice to hear. Um, so yeah, if you, have, if you know someone or have your own Twitch channel, I will gladly do your emotes or channel assets for you. Um, other than that, if you have any other graphic design work going, I will gladly take it because uh, food is cool. It's on his top three needs. Uh, might be going down to top five. We'll see. I will put all of his links down below so you can check him out. And thank you so much, Arsqui, for coming on and talking about the whimsical world of Critical Role with me. It's been a blast. Yeah. This was awesome. This is the best therapy session I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> well, until the next time, guys. Goodbye. Well, that was my interview with Arsqueef. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun talking to him about fandom and why he engages with the critical role fandom. I hope you are encouraged to check out his works. I will put his stuff down below. And if you're encouraged to leave a review, I would really appreciate that. That helps the show out a lot. I'm able to book better guests and it just gives me that nice warm feeling of knowing that someone is listening and appreciating the show. If you'd like to send in an email, I'm at generalchatpodcast at gmail.com and generalchatpod on Twitter. All right, guys, until the next one. Bye. Mm -hmm.